You are now listening to The Power of the Cross with Bishop Farrell Wilson for the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. This is Bishop Farrell Wilson with The Lighthouse inviting you to join us Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. bringing the message of the cross to North Mississippi. Be sure to also join us locally at 1004 Highway 7 North just off exit 211 on I-55. Service times are 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. Sundays and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Revelation 2 and 29. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. I want to speak to you tonight on this subject. What is right with the church? What is right with the church? You hear a lot of things about what's wrong with the church. Matter of fact, if you've been here last night and heard my message, you'd heard a little bit of what's wrong with some of the churches. But I want to talk tonight about what is right with the church. I used to pastor, pastored seven churches, enjoyed pastoring. Didn't want to leave the last church I pastored. Amen. I felt like I'd be there probably the rest of my life. But the Lord called us to go on the road and take the crab family and take them to the world and let them sing. And that's what we did. And I preached revivals and, and the Lord just launched another ministry. But I enjoyed pastoring. But I never want to pastor again. I've, I had seven churches, so I feel like I've had my seven years of tribulation. I want, to, I want Brother Wilson to pastor. I like to go to the pastors now, let the people have it, get them stirred up, and turn them over to the pastor and leave. <laughs> Amen. No, I want to be an encouragement. But the Lord laid on my heart the other day to preach t- to the church about the church. And I'm like, Lord, I'm an evangelist. It's my job to, ain't it amazing how we argue with God? I mean, we're going to tell him what's, what to do. Lord, I'm an evangelist. I preach salvation messages. I encourage people. I preach this and that. And Lord, preaching about the church, I just don't see how that would fit in in a revival. But uh, he knows what's right. Can I get an amen? And he began to give me this scripture. I didn't get this off the internet from somebody else's sermon. Didn't get it out of a sermon outline book. He just poured this in my spirit, and I started making notes. And I'm going to share this with you tonight. What is right with the church? I want to tell you something about the church, first of all. In the book of Matthew, chapter 16 and verse 18, the Lord Jesus took his disciples to Caesarea Philippi. We was talking about this today. He took them to a a sinful place, a godless place. You would think he would have went to a temple or a sanctuary or a holy place to make this kind of proclamation. But instead, he picked devil territory. He picked Caesarea Philippi. If you had gone to Caesarea Philippi, a place that was named after Caesar and Philip, two godless men, you would have seen places of immorality, places of idolatry, places of all kind of sin and lewdness. But it was there that Jesus took his disciples and said to them, whom do men say that I, the son of man, am? And the disciples began to answer back. One said he was John the Baptist. One said Elijah. One said Jeremiah. That's what the people are saying about you. But then he said, but I want to know, whom do ye say that I am? Brother Simon Peter stepped forward, thank God. He said, I say unto thee, 
Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That, my friend, is the power of the church. In Acts chapter 20, the apostle Paul was leaving Ephesus. He had been there for three and a half years. Possibly when he went to preach to them, planned on staying a few days, but the Holy Ghost fell, and they started having a real revival. So after three and a half years in the 20th chapter of Acts, he is bidding them farewell. He is leaving the church in the hands of Timothy and some of the other men of God. He preached till midnight. He preached till midnight. A fellow by the name of Eutychus was sitting up in the upper level, hanging out the window, and fell asleep, and fell out of the church, and died. You know why he fell out of church? Because he was more out than he was in, and killed him, and Paul prayed for him. God raised him from the dead and continued his sermon. But listen to what he said in Acts 20 and 28. Take heed, therefore, unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. That is the price that has been paid for this glorious church. Can I get an amen? The Apostle Paul said, I believe he wrote Hebrews in Hebrews 10 and 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. That, my friend, is the importance of the church. Can I get an amen? Ephesians 5 and 8, 25. Husbands, memorize this verses. It'll help your marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That is Christ's love for the church. Can I get an amen? The power of the church, the price of the church, his love for the church, the importance of the church. The word church comes from a Greek word, ekklesia, and it means a called out group. John 14 and 12 says this, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Jesus talking, He that believeth on me, and the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. He is speaking of the church, amen? After Jesus ascended, we became the extended hands and arms of the Lord Jesus Christ. I had a guy talking to me the other day. He said, you know, the Bible says we're going to do greater works than Christ did. Greater, and he thought greater in and, and how do you get any greater than raising dead people? How do you get any greater than walking on the water? I said, sir, he's not talking about outdoing him in his miracles. He's talking about we can do more at one time because there was one of him and there's millions of us. Amen. And greater works than these shall you do because you will be my hands, you will be my arms reaching out all over the world. Speaking of the church, amen. A true church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a secular institution. 
It is not just some religious organization. It is not just the first church of the highest steeple. It is all born-again believers. They form the church of the living God. Can I get an amen? Born-again believers. The church is referred to in the Word of God as this. Colossians 1 and 24, the body of Christ. Revelation 21 and 9, the bride of Christ. 1 Peter 5 and 1, we're called the flock of God. In Hebrews 12 and 23, I like this, we're called the general assembly of the firstborn. Revelation 1 and 20, we're called the golden candlestick. Revelation 19 and 7, we're the lamb's wife. In Ephesians 2 and 21, we're a building that is fitly framed together. In 2 Corinthians 6 and 16, we're the temple of the living God. What constitutes a New Testament church is this. Get this. Jesus Christ is the head. Colossians 1 and 18. The Holy Ghost is the guide. John 16 and 13. Can I get an amen? The Word of God is authority. Matthew 8, 19 through 20. Born-again pastors are shepherds. Acts 20 and 28. Born-again believers are members of the Lord's church. Acts 2 and 41. It is self-governed with God Almighty as chairman of the board. Can I get an amen? If you bring up the subject of church to those people outside the church, you're going to hear a lot of things. You're going to hear things like this, that the church is nothing but a bunch of legalistic people. Have you ever heard that? Some may call us a bunch of Jesus freaks. Some may say that we are radical extremists. You hear that word a lot now. Some call us Bible thumpers. They used to call us holy rollers. We don't get that excited anymore. <laughs> Some call us the name it, claim it people. And if you go out on visitation inviting people to come to church, you're going to hear this. I don't go to church because there's nothing there but a bunch of, you heard it too. If you hear that, this is what I want you to tell them. Remember this. Tell them this. I don't know a better place for a hypocrite to go than church. You can't help them at the beer joint. You can't help them if they're at the dope house. They may come and hypocrite for 20 years. But if they'll stay long enough, I believe a good red-hot move of the Holy Ghost will get a hold of them. And we're hoping they'll quit hypocriting and make things right with God. Can you get an amen? And if that don't help them, I got something else you can share with them. If you despise them that bad, and you won't go to church with them, if you despise them that bad, consider this. I'd rather sit beside one for two hours every Sunday than go to hell and spend eternity with them. And if that don't help, tell them one more thing, okay? 
Tell them, why don't you just come on down one more? I ain't going to hurt a thing. <laughs> and if you talk to enough, they're going to say that we're nothing but a bunch of nuts. That we are at times, but we are screwed onto the right boat. Can I get an amen? When the Lord was giving me these scriptures, putting this together in my spirit, he took me to the burning bush. Moses, out in the desert, had been working for his father-in-law for 40 years. I know he's looking for another job. Thank you for listening to The Power of the Cross. We pray this message is a blessing to you. If you would like to receive a free CD or a free download of the full sermon, just visit our website at GrenadaChurch.com and click Sermons. We also ask for your financial support in helping us reach the world with the gospel. You can donate by secure means on GrenadaChurch.com as well. We ask you for your prayers and support each week as we bring the message. Now, back to the power of the cross. So he sees a bush on fire, and he goes to the bush, and the Lord showed me this bush was a prelude or a preview of the New Testament church. Listen to it. It was at the bush that he met with God. It's at the church that you and I meet with God. He said, if two or three gather in my name, I will be in their midst. It was a holy place. The word came to Moses, take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. Now, I want to tell you, you may look around here tonight and see wood and carpet and, and, and all kind of light fixtures and something, but I've got news for you. It's more than that. It has been sanctified. This place has been set apart. It is now a holy place. It's where people come together and meet with a holy God. Can I get an amen in the house? Number three, it was indestructible. As Moses stood there and watched the bush, it burned and it burned, but it was never consumed. I got news for you tonight, and I got news for the devil if he should be listening. The church of the living God is indestructible. Come on now. Amen. Kings will fall, and kings will fail, and institutions will fall, and institutions will fail, but when Jesus... Jesus returns, there'll be a church, amen? The church of the living God will never fail. Can I get an amen? I wish somebody would help me a little bit. He was there that he met with a compassionate God. It is at the church you meet with a compassionate God. I want to do a just a little sampling here tonight. How many people here got saved at the bowling alley? I'm really surprised. How many got saved at the honky-tonk? Did anybody get saved at Walmart? Is there anybody in this house tonight that gave your heart to Jesus in a church? It's where you meet with a compassionate God, there's something about this thing. Amen. It's just not a building with seats and people in it. 
This is a holy place. It was instituted by God Almighty. And when you come in that door, you may come in with sin and burdens on your shoulders, but you meet with a compassionate God, amen, that is merciful and loving and gracious and will change your life. If you believe that, say amen. It was at the bush that he received direction. Have you ever seen such a mixed up world in all of your life? I'm telling you, there's some weirdos out there. We was in Cracker Barrel the other day. I'm talking about a family restaurant. And here come a big old man, probably seven foot tall, had a pair of high heels and a dress on. Like, dear God, you don't know which way you're going. Don't know what they want to be. Can't figure it out. This world is so messed up. People don't know what. You know what they need to do? Go to church. Because in the house of God, the preacher preaches under the anointing of the Holy Ghost and opens what thus saith the Word of God. It'll give you directions. Come on now. I don't know about you, but I was headed down the wrong road, but I got directions, and I'm on the right road tonight. Come on, somebody. I want to talk to you tonight about what's right with the church. Get tired of hearing about what's wrong with it. Let's talk about what's right with the church. Number one, what's right with the church is the love of God that's in the church. The love of God that's in the church. We take it for granted once we get saved. We forget what it was like out there. It's a pretty awesome thing. The Bible was written in the Greek language. Alexander the Great, when he ruled and conquered every kingdom, he made the Greek language the universal language. And it was a God thing because God chose the Greek language for the Bible to be written. Thank God it wasn't written in the American language. Because our words change meanings every generation. Have you ever thought about how many meanings the word bad has had? When I was a kid, bad meant don't touch it. It's rotten. If you eat it, you'll die. And then the next generation come along, bad's good. Man, it's bad. That's good. Man, we we don't say. It's been said about our language. We don't mean what we say or say what we mean. Man, you take things wrong because they don't mean what they used to mean. Not the Greek language. It is very descriptive. The word love in the American language has one word, love. I love those flowers. I love that coffee. I love my wife. I love God. One love for all of it. Hopefully it's different levels. In the Greek language, it was different levels. There was a word for love that meant I love this guitar. Been looking at it for two nights. (laughs) Beautiful. Sounds good. I love you, and I love my wife, a more compassionate love. But there was the greatest love of all, the agape love. The agape love did not come from the world. We cannot conjure it up. We can't come up with it. The agape love comes from above. The agape love is a godly love. It is the strongest of all loves. Have you ever noticed the love of the world? Here's the attitude of the world. I love you if you'll love me. Have you noticed that? 
Have you ever seen people say, I do, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, for the rest of my life? <laughs> Boy, they so in love, they could eat each other up. Like my brother-in-law said, hey, just hang on. There'll come a day you wish you had. <laughs> <laughs> he told me that the day I got married. It's amazing how love can change the love of the world. I love you if you love me. Scratch my back and I'll scratch your. I love you, but don't make me mad. Don't offend me. Don't do anything I don't like. Preacher, don't preach the wrong sermon. We'll leave. That's the kind of love of the world. It loves because of. Right? Am I right? I love because I love you if you love me. I love you if you'll be good to me. I love you if you do these things for me. But God's love is so different. He don't love because of. If he had loved because of, I'd been in hell already. But his love looks deeper than that. He didn't love me because of. He loved me in spite of. That's the love of God. When he looked at me, he didn't see what I was. He saw what I could be if his love was shed abroad in my heart. My God, that ought to make a Presbyterian jump up and down tonight. That's the love of God. It don't come from the world. You can't find his love in the world. It's not there. It comes with salvation. That's how when you get saved, you love things you hated and you hate things you loved. Did you know the test of fellowship, according to the Bible, is that we have love one for another? Let me tell you something about the love of God. How important that's what's good with the church. Because it ain't out there in the world. It ain't out there in the world. I did something really stupid one time. No, I did something really stupid a bunch of times. <laughs> but this was probably the stupidest thing I've ever done. And if the word stupid offends you, I'm sorry I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I've had my grandkids say, Daddy or Grandpa, you shouldn't say that word. So it was stupid. I volunteered to work at youth camp four weeks in a row. That's another reason I'm gray-headed. From all ages, starting with them little fellas, the teen. Now we started with the, the teenagers, and it was back in the day of the mullets and and moose. You didn't have too much trouble with them teenagers. Biggest thing they was worried about is getting that mullet looking good and then get that moose. You know what I'm talking about. You had one, too. I did, too, buddy. Man, I used to go get that thing permed, man. <laughs> what I'd give to have enough to get permed again. <laughs> but they were okay. They just wanted to impress the girls, and the girls was wanting to impress the guys, and you know, they went and acted pretty well. They wasn't too bad. But I want to tell you what. As the weeks went on, it got tough. The last group, we would always, all the counselors would get together at night while the kids were sleeping or supposed to be sleeping. And we'd talk about them. And the last week, 
We didn't get to talk about but just one kid. <laughs> Little black kid lived in the housing projects. Didn't even go to nobody's church. Somebody just invited him to come. Boy, his counselor, he said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do with him. He cusses. He steals other kids' money. He fights, chases the girls. You name it, he does it. And, man, that was the conversation. Finally, he said, you know, I'm just going to have to send him home. I can't do anything with him. Now, when he said that, that just bothered me. Because I got to thinking, okay, we got our little gospel club here to send those perfect little preacher kids. Well, I got news for you, preachers. Them little preacher kids ain't perfect when mom and daddy ain't around. And the reason they are so mean, they've been hanging out with the deacon's kids. It's the truth. And that didn't bother me. I thought, we're going to send this little old boy home, and, you know, he's not worth keeping, and we're just going to have a little place here for the preacher's kid and give out their awards and the church people's kids, you know. And, ah, don't you get sick of that stuff. Are we about ministry or what? It crossed my mind to say, I'll take him. And somebody beat me to it. Thank God forever. <laughs> God knows I was fixing to. Another guy said, I'll take him. So you took him. Next night, we had another conversation. Boy, you's right. Man, he fights all the time. He cusses. I don't know where he heard them kind of words. Man, he's chasing the girl. He's same story. Every night of that camp, every night, every night, same thing. We talked about nothing but that one little boy. He was a rascal. Friday night, last night, thank God, after four weeks, oh, we had a speaker come in, and he, he boy, did he God use him. God used him so greatly that that little mean boy came to the altar and gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Yeah. Little old fellow, I don't even know if he'd been to church before, but he came to that altar, and he squalled his eyes out, and all of us was gathered around him as he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. After he got saved and after the altar service was over, they lined off us counselors up across the stage and had all the kids come shake hands with it because this is the last night of the, of the youth camp and everybody's going home tomorrow. And here they come. Here come that little black boy, hand raised up in the air, tears just streaming, streaming down his face, hugging you. And as he hugged you, you know what he was saying? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Good God, I love you, Jesus. Just squalling, man. We was squalling too. It was God. This was this was a real salvation. We went to the next door. There's a there's an old fellowship hall, you know, and the, and we're gonna eat, and everybody's gonna go to bed, and we're gonna go home tomorrow. Went over there, and here come that little fella. Walked in the door with his hand raised, still squalling. I love you, Jesus. 
Man, I went over there by him because I just wanted to see what was going on. I'm nosy. He got that little old tray and put it in that tray like in lunchroom trays and scooted it down the aisle getting his food. And you know what he was saying the whole time? I love you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Man, I squalled that night. I squalled when I went to bed. I thank God that night for that little boy and what happened. You know, of all the things that happened out of four weeks, that's the thing that was the most impressing to me. The next day, we was getting ready to leave Saturday. State youth director standing out at a location where you can see everybody leaving. All the kids are coming by and hugging his neck and telling him goodbye and so forth. Most of them knew him. This little black boy, he didn't know who he was, but he stopped by there. And he grabbed him and put a big old bear hug on him and started squalling. You know what he said? I don't want to go home. He said, I don't know my daddy. And I'll never see my mama. Can I stay here with you? That little boy had to leave that place, and we all in our eyes and a broken heart. But here's the fact of the matter. That little boy got something that he took home with him. Because this love of God is real. And it'll carry you through the hard time. I don't know whatever happened to him, but I've got a feeling he's probably pastoring a church of about seven or 800 people right now. And little boys are coming in from the housing projects and he's telling them about Jesus Christ because that's the way the Lord works. That's what's right with the church. The love of God is right with the church. Can I get an amen? You didn't find it in the world. If you had, you'd still be out there. We found it through the church. Tell you what else is right with the church. The fellowship is right with the church. Forsake not the assembling of yourself. What does that mean? Go to church. Go to church. Jesus loved the church. He wants us to be together. He's all about fellowship. Where two or three, he would mention that twice. He's, where two or three would get together and believe it would be done. Where two or three would call upon my name, it would be done. It's about fellowship. One can put a thousand to flight, the Old Testament said, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Strength in unity. You've been listening to Bishop Farrell Wilson with the Lighthouse Church in Grenada, Mississippi. Visit our website at grenadachurch.com for service times and to offer your support to our ministry. Please forward all prayer requests, comments, or questions to the Lighthouse, P.O. Box 2441, Grenada, Mississippi, 38902. Email us at lighthousechurchofgod at gmail.com or give us a call at 662-294-0608.
Everybody.